Lisa Archbold. And I am Pat Shea. And we are so happy to be back this week. Um, we want to first start by saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the ratings yes. and reviews. That's yes. been so kind and lovely. It really has been. And uh, and we noticed several more ratings this weekend. This week, and we really appreciate it. Uh, also, I want to shout out over the past couple of weeks, the number two uh, city in terms of listens uh, was Paris, France, which is really, really special at this time. Um, a mentor in my life, uh, a guy named Chris Lowell, who was, uh, I met him as my high school French teacher. Um, he just passed away, actually. I, I, just, uh, we lost him, uh, not from COVID. Uh, we lost him uh, for, for other reasons. Um, but he was the biggest Francophile you will ever mm -hmm. know. And uh, college French was a breeze, was a breeze for me after four years uh, with Mr. Lowell. And uh, and we've, he's actually one of the only people from high school that I stayed in consistent touch with uh, throughout, throughout my life. And so uh, it was kind of shocking and am amazing to see that after he passes, suddenly people in, in, in Paris are listening. And so I tip my hat to you, Monsieur Lowell. Yes, he was a great man. Yeah. Um, we also want to tip our hats to all the parents out there doing remote learning. Mm, yes. Whether hybrid, completely remote, uh, going on your own with homeschool. Yeah. We see you. We feel you. <laughs> Let us know how it goes because uh, – we're in a holding pattern here in New York, so... <laughs> yeah, we couldn't get it together, so we're delayed. Yeah. Again. Yeah, yeah we get the kids till uh, September 21. Yep. And then and then we'll see. Because New York City's nailing it. Nailing it. Exactly. Um, yeah, so let us know how it's going. If yeah. you need a place to come and just vent, come to Funny mm -hmm. Parents uh, Facebook Facebook.com. Yes. See, I was, there, I was going funny parents. Oh, yeah, I, I get it. See, this is. Yeah. Uh, I jumped but in too fast. Please, please come over and uh, share with us that this is going to work because yeah. we have three more weeks to agonize over this. Yeah. And just stress out about it. Exactly. At least we got soccer back. We did. We, we did get soccer back. And that was touch and go for a while, uh, which was amazing. Somehow, uh, field hockey was allowed and soccer wasn't. And I always found that to be very, very unique but uh but we did get soccer back for the kids and so uh that is something that that the kids are looking forward to you know and because of that it's something we're looking forward to exactly so first up tonight mm. today i should say or whenever you're listening yes uh is our buddy joe shop first up at twilight yes <laughs> is our friend Joe Shapa. And Joe is someone I met, again, it was a fellow teacher at the People's Improv Theater. Uh, and he is a fantastic comedy writer uh, who has worked on many shows on MTV, like uh, Silent Library, Money from Strangers, um, Truth or Dare. He's worked on uh, the Impractical Jokers after party show, uh, the one with Joey, F Joey Fatone, uh, which we've never talk to him about no we need to because pat yes. as we've outed him before is a huge impractical jokers fan oh okay i thought you were a huge in sync fan i thought that's where we were going with that no i thought i was turning back on you okay fair enough and your guilty pleasure of the impractical jokers one way or another joe is here to tell us a little about his life uh, around kids before he became a parent 
and then the amazing moment where he became a parent himself. A birth and story from a dad. So when I was in high school, um, I got, uh, my sister and I started a little kid's soccer team uh, to sort of pad our college resumes. And uh-huh. uh, we, we uh, coached uh, three and four-year-old girls in soccer. So that was my first experience sort of working with children. Um, and then I, uh, in college, I actually babysat an infant. It was actually the um, assistant dean's child. And I don't can't quite remember how I got the job, but I think I said that I was good with children, and then I ended up taking the baby <laughs> everywhere. Like I was like a college kid. I had like a backpack, and then I had a baby Bjorn with a baby in it. And I would like – she would – I would have to bring it back back to the assistant dean to let because she was breastfeeding, which uh-huh. at the time to me was like, like kind of off putting. Which, I mean, not off putting, but like <laughs> breastfeeding is beautiful. My wife did it, but it was like as a nineteen year old college student, I was like, yeah. oh, I was enough into boobs at that point to like be like, oh, he's got to get home to his boobs. It was a different <laughs> world. <laughs> yeah. So I, I babysat this baby, and I would I'd take the baby around. And, like, um, one one time in Boston where I went to school, there was an FAO shorts. And I uh, we lost the baby's sock in FAO shorts. And I had all these, almost the entire staff helping me find this baby's sock because I had this fantasy that I would um, get there and be kicked out of college because I lost the uh, assistant dean's baby <laughs> sock. Um, but so I uh, – so, um, and then I also, that parlayed into, I always taught swim lessons in college. And I taught little kids. And then I had actually a longtime babysitting gig, um, this very um, fashionable eight-year-old girl who I would take ice skating or I would, um, we, I took her and a friend to a movie one day and her friend was super rude. That was like my first, it was almost like um, as a parent now, like yelling at another person's child. But I was like yelling at another child I was babysitting. It was like a weird experience. Like, cause they were misbehaving in the movie. I took them to see uh-huh. Rugrats in Paris, um, <laughs> at the Copley center cinema. Uh, the key to, uh, the key to good storytelling is detail. Yeah. Um, I've told no story so far, but so far it's been a series of vignettes. Like I promised. Yeah. Um, so, um, I, uh, taught high school for a while and I had more interaction with children. Uh-huh. Um, I taught uh, seventh grade health for uh, a couple years, and I kind of fell into that. That was another job where I sort of – I don't remember quite how I got it, but one day I showed up, and I was now teaching health to seventh graders, <laughs> and we spent a lot of time um, watching uh, the movie Mean Girls um, because it took up three to four periods. So uh, <laughs> under the guise of a, um, a bullying um, – chapter or a, a bullying section we watch mean girls so i counted the other day i've watched mean girls 120 times holy cow. um more than i've seen any other movie more than i've seen the godfather more than i've seen <laughs> star wars uh, i've seen mean girls 120 times and it's actually i would say as a side note a very good movie it is um no it's question. a very entertaining movie very well written um and i would say on par with one of the best comedies of all time i would say wow. um i would even go as far pat and Mary, uh, better than Heather's, <gasps> which I held in my I head. That. Wow. I would agree. I, and because I love Heather's. It has something that Heather's doesn't have, which is uh, a softer edge. Yeah. And it makes a little bit bigger of a point. It's got a lot of joy. And there's a health teacher, which was totally appropriate because you were teaching health. 
Totally. And there's a health teacher. And that was the big joke is like, oh, you're as big as an idiot. This guy on the screen. And I was like, yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> so I met my, my lovely wife. So I have all this training with children. And training, I mean, basically being their playmate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, uh, I met my wife on a blind date. And Ooh. about uh, we got married at City Hall uh, a couple years later. And then we decided we were going to have a baby. Now, I have taken – and let me just ask this. Are you editing this? Uh, you kind of keep it all in the sense. And now yeah. that I'm asking you that, that's crazy. <laughs> it all depends. If there are spots to edit, sometimes we do. Uh, you might that might be an edit point or it might not it might be super entertaining um we'll find i hope out. i'm not ruining your podcast we'll find out. No, it's okay no no no. but um i thought oh and is this for families or is this for people who have children it's for people, people who, have, who children. have children yes so if, yep. if something gets it's nothing gets dirty but if i add something in here yep. is it gonna yes, be okay totally, totally okay yeah so i asked you at the beginning that's another edit point, but if you're not, that's entertaining that there's no edit point. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll see. <clears throat> so I thought, now, Pat and Mary, I don't know if you know this about me, I have suffered from depression, anxiety, and OCD mm. my entire life. Mm. No. I know someone who does improv and is also <laughs> mentally unwell. But I, um, I, uh, so my thinking was that uh, for some reason I was like, oh, because of all this medicine I've taken, all this anxiety, my sperm would probably not um, would probably be like banging against the walls of the uterus and not find its way to the egg as quickly. I, for some reason, I correlated that because I was depressed, my sperm would be depressed. Of course. Yeah. yeah. However, after trying for only a month, my wife became pregnant. Wow. And she'll say it was more than a month, but it was within a summer of. Um, summer loving it was a pretty quick so my nothing can really prepare you for the the moment your wife tells you that she's pregnant and i'm mm -hmm. sure you've probably had that but um it becomes very real and then not real for a little while uh -huh. and then very real again totally so yeah. at this point it became very real i was about to have a child now my wife a little background on my wife my wife comes from <clears throat> strong slovak stock and um she uh did not get um morning sickness uh she did not get any sort of uh she sort of i've seen this in the past my wife has actually willed herself not to have strep throat um she is very like um she is mind over matter whereas if i think i'm sick i have to lay in bed um <laughs> So she is actually, I've seen her like not make, make herself not sick, which I think now that I'm saying it, she should be studied by science. <laughs> so, uh, and that'll figure in later on in the story when my son is born. Oh, so we are, uh, so it's actually, and she'll tell you it was hard, but I actually think comparatively to other people, she didn't have bed rest or anything. Mm -hmm. And it was an okay, um, it was an okay uh, gestation period for the baby. Um, and, uh, so nine months roll around and one day, uh, it's about the time that, excuse me, uh, it's about the time that, uh, she's due. So I think she was due on like the 23rd, um, Beckett was born, my son, baby Shappa, and we could use his name. It's fine. <laughs> is born on the 25th. So, um, she, uh, we went out for a walk on the day. Now 
she because of how the school system works, you have to work. Um, she worked up to the day that she was due, oh. um, wow. because if it was like before then, then she wouldn't get paid for the mm-hmm. summer because she would be on um, a maternity leave. So she, we actually worked out when she got pregnant. So it worked out with her school wow. year. It just happened wow. to work that way. So she got paid for the summer because if you leave on maternity leave, you don't get paid. Huh. And, um, you know, as someone who um, professionally either, either does improv or teaches improv to business, my wife uh, makes the majority of the income. <laughs> so it worked out actually perfectly for our sort of time. And um, so we went out and we were with a friend and we were walking in the park and we decided we never get Mr. Softy. My, my wife is a, also an ice cream connoisseur. She refuses to eat Mr. <laughs> Softy. But we were out and we had a Mr. Softy. And she was like, after the Mr. Softy, she's like, I do not feel well. And I was like, well, I don't feel well either because when you have a Mr. Softy in New York City, no one ever feels well. It's too much ice cream. <laughs> yeah. And it's too chemically. Yeah. That's my other problem with it. Like you could taste you the chemicals, it. Yeah, yeah. but it looks, the presentation is always top notch. Um, it looks it like does, a good ice does. cream and it's, yeah. it's not to be terrible. I always have like a weird stomach thing. You have to poop immediately. It's awful. So um, how long does this go for is my other question in the middle of my story. As though. long as you want. You know, I'm, as long as you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Because this story is about another four hours. It's the, it's the um, Lawrence of Arabia stories. And uh, if you if you don't know, this is the birth of my son story. So uh, so um, she starts feeling well, and then she starts feeling that she's having contractions. Um, and I'm like, okay. We call the doctor. Doctor says if it gets to like two minutes apart, no. If it gets to seven minutes apart, come on in. Um, so, uh, it gets around six minutes apart. The doctor says, come on in. So we get into an Uber and the Uber, um, in New York city, we do not own a car and normally we would drive there, but the Uber driver, uh, notices immediately that this is a pregnant woman about to have mm-hmm. a baby. And it is the most silent and the slowest Uber ride I've ever oh. had where no one has ever exchanged a word. And the man worriedly is looking in the mirror at the two of us who are like, okay we're fine we're going and he drove down we live in east harlem it took about 25 minutes we told him not to take the fdr down to beth oh, israel which yeah. is uh, on first of 17 and it was like a very slow moving ride oh. and this poor guy was like staring he was like white knuckling it the whole time i felt so bad and i didn't tip him no that's not true i tipped him extra because he did a very nice job of driving us there. <laughs> uh so we get there and we get into the um, waiting room and they're like well uh you know you go in and parents will know this but or anybody who's been to a hospital or seen a show with a hospital but you have to like sign out uh, you have to fill out paperwork before you get in there so you get in there and um uh the lady's like well we can't technically give you a bed until you your water has broken so my wife's like oh i'm having a baby and the lady's like no we can't so my wife, and she will, she won't dispute it, but I say this: she willed herself for her water to break. Because <laughs> at that moment, the minute the lady says no, I saw the look, and my wife has uh, had this look in her face where she's like, "Oh no, um, you're wrong about what you're saying. This is what's really happening." And she, her water immediately <laughs> broke. So this is that. <laughs> Again. A lot of vignettes. We'll yeah. see if it adds up at the end. 
So, uh, so her water breaks, and we go to the, um, uh, she's, you know, we didn't do natural childbirth. Um, neither of us wanted it. I think she just wanted to have the baby. So we had, uh, she immediately, uh, once she was in the bed, she immediately goes, drugs, give me drugs. So they hook her up mm -hmm. and, and give her drugs. And I, I think, and it was great. Um, we got in there at five and my son is born by 10 wow. PM. Wow. So it was really only a five, five hour thing. And I, my wife also links it to being a teacher cause she's on her feet all day. And it, I think she, I think teachers have, because they're on their feet, it's an easier birth. And this is anecdotal. I do not know if this is scientifically proven. But teachers, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's being it. upright, but sure. believe me yeah. for right now. So this is the oddest thing that I've ever seen happen. And in, I've only had one child. But so my mm. wife is pushing. And we have a very nice, it's not our doctor that she saw. It's a doctor that was the attending mm -hmm. physician. And the doctor um, is encouraging her to push. And we never took a Lamaze or anything. So this is sort of our first time doing it. And I don't remember why we never took our Lamaze. But I think we um, we were like, we'll wing it, which is fine. Because they tell you what to do. Sure. Like, it's not sure. that too big of a deal. And we were yes-handing this whole yeah. process. <laughs> so... Uh, she starts to deliver and the, uh, so there's pushing, uh, and pushing, but every time there's a push and in between pushes, um, our doctor <gasps> is texting. Now here's the thing. Yes. Every time I've told this, people have the same reaction. Oh, yeah, How God. could they text? But I think she knew it was so easy that she could text. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I think. I think that texting actually meant that this was a run-of-the-mill thing. And I always think, like, you want the doctor who's not panicking than the doctor who's, like, super focused and needs to be in it. At least in this scenario, that is just sort of a birth. But the weird thing is the doctor was texting. And it wasn't, like, a quick check of the phone. It was like a... Oh, my God. And then it back in the pocket, and it was like, push. <laughs> And like, there's a push. Now, I didn't know this, and I had I actually this links back sort of to the 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 health thing. But like, when I was teaching health, we showed like um, this video of the baby being born, and it happens really quickly. But in reality, the baby is like hanging out of the vagina right. for a little while before it comes out. So there's a baby's head out of <laughs> hanging out of my wife, and the doctor at one point like sort of like goes wow the baby has a lot of head and sort of crumples the hair and like tossles it like lovingly and no. then went back to <gasps> and there's like a, a head hanging out so my wife gives one big push and the oh. baby comes out and um it's unbelievable and then also not unbelievable because all of a sudden mm -hmm. you have like a mm -hmm. baby mm -hmm. so the baby is so much different than the other children I've taken care of my entire sort of adult life in the fact that it's now mine. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I now have to take this baby home. And immediately I knew I was going to take care of this baby better than anybody else's baby that I've taken care of before.
天。That's so true. It changes. Like I've taught kids theater.、Yeah. I've taught kids. I've had. I have a million nieces and nephews. Yeah. And it's just completely different when it's your child. It is. It is. It's very like what Dave Koenig was saying in、uh, back in one of our one of our first episodes about you know I love my kids, other kids not so much. <laughs> it's the opposite as well because I I wasn't around kids much、uh, in my life, and、uh, and then you meet your own kids, and it's something completely different. Totally. Yeah. And it's interesting that you know it's funny like、um, the things that you expect as、mm-hmm. a parent. Uh, change drastically. Yeah,、uh, and that leads us into our second story. Yes. Oh, and our second storyteller, who I'm very excited to introduce, because our second storyteller is Mary Teresa Archbold. Everybody,、um, I am very, very excited to introduce my co-host on this podcast, <laughs> Mary Archbold. And、uh, boy, what haven't you done?、Uh, it, In yeah, she has played anybody's in productions of West Side Story, pretty much everywhere in the world.、Uh, she has performed on the Moth Radio Hour and This American Life. She has、uh, been two different characters on SVU in within a year of each other, and that's like something very that's not supposed to happen. It's forbidden. It's yes, forbidden. exactly. So she has been a concerned mother and the doctor who. Kills Judd Hirsch. I do. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, Judd Hirsch. <laughs> I did my best, but I have a degree in theater. There's nothing I could do. Yes, exactly. So she is going to tell us a story about diet. So when Pat says diet. <laughs> It conjures for me a lot of bad feelings, <laughs> right? Like, you, I, for me, I always think, you know, I was a dancer, so diet was a big part of my life, and right. I'm talking about nutrition. Let's talk nutrition, right? Food, food, food in general. Yeah. One of the big things that when we had our oldest son Tom,、mm. um, when he started to get to about. Five months or so, I was like, "Oh gosh, we have to start the transition to quote real food." Right.、Um, which, once you have a kid, you realize it's not real food for quite some time. Yeah. But you know, we started with the Earth Best, you know, rice cereal and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. And then I'm started to look at the the baby jars of food, and after I passed out from the sticker shock <laughs> of like how much two ounces of、yeah. pureed peas. Was、um, <laughs> I realized like oh gosh this is going to be a pricey endeavor. Yeah. Luckily,、uh, a friend of mine, Sue Salvi, who actually will be on the podcast in a couple weeks,、yeah. um, posted on Facebook how she just fed her son, who was a few months older than Tom,、uh, six meals from one sweet potato.、Mm-hmm. From that- an- Actual sweet potato, and I remember the post. She paid like seventy-one cents for that sweet potato. Yeah. So this appealed to my very thrifty heart. <laughs> As Pat can attest, I have a very thrifty heart.、Mm. Um, I don't like to spend money frivolously 
in any way, shape, or form. You don't like spending money. I don't. I don't like spending yeah. money. Um, so I was like, oh, let's look into this situation. So after several Google searches and definitely on a couple of like mom boards and stuff, I discovered what would soon become my best friend, mm. the baby bullet. Mm-hmm. Now, the baby bullet, if you've never heard of it, is a food blender with a cute little face on it. And it comes with cute little cups that are portion sizes yeah. for your kid that you can like record what day you made it. Uh, also a freezer thing that you can make it and then you can put the portion size in the freezer so it's frozen, ready to go. The best part of my friend, the baby bullet, was the book that yeah. came with him. This book walked me through how I could make my own baby food. And now I will say going into this whole baby process, making my baby food, own baby food was nowhere on my radar. Mm -hmm. Nowhere. I mean, Pat and I, for the most part, did not cook prior to children, like maybe once or twice a week. Let's, let's be honest. We were very well known at the corner pizza shop. Yes. Yeah. Very well known. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we definitely were not like, Hey, we are foodies. We're not. Um, so we jumped into this process and the first thing we made was a sweet potato. Mm. No, I'm lying. It was a banana. Oh uh, yeah. It was a banana. So the first thing we made was a banana and I, you know, being such the novice cook, it blew my mind that I put a banana and some water into the baby bullet, blended right. it, and voila, baby food. You didn't even have to cook it. No. It was like, just that was a good one. That was poop. Mush up the banana. Exactly. Yeah. So this started. Our kid got into it. And I was having a thrifty dream. Like, this was the greatest thing. So along with the encouragement from my best friend, the baby bullet book, uh, I started going into our local bodega. Which, you know, it's like a little convenience store here yeah, in New York City. Exactly. I mean, this was a little zhuzhed up from a bodega. Yeah, it was, it was, it was like a natural grocer. Yeah, it was of. a natural grocer, but it was about the size of your living room. Yes. Yeah. Anywhere yeah. you live, it was about the size yeah, of yeah, your yeah. living room. Um, and I went in and I would buy like a sweet potato, mm -hmm. a couple bananas and a apple, you know. And <laughs> the woman who was behind the counter was like, okay, didn't say anything the first couple of times, but about the third or fourth time I came in and did this, she said to me, are you making your own baby food? And I said, yes, yes, I am. She lauded mm -hmm. me with compliment after compliment. This is the best thing. This is the best thing for the baby. Oh, I'm so happy. Da -da. Mm -hmm. And what I really found, I found an ally. Yeah. Someone who could help me because I'm going to be super honest. My knowledge of fruits and vegetables was extremely limited. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up in a house where we did not have fresh fruit sitting on the counter. It did not happen. Yeah. There were seven kids. No way. My mom was like, you know what? Chips Ahoy are in the, the cabinet. There you go. Um, so I didn't know a lot about fruits and vegetables, but this wonderful, wonderful yeah. bodega owner named Christy. Christy and her husband, Kim. Yes. Yeah. Became my allies my friends. Mm -hmm. And as I started to come in with Tom, they loved him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He loved them. He loved going to the store. I would say, we're going to Christie's and yeah. he would jump right into the stroller ready to go. He was like Norm in there. Seriously. Yes. They, he'd walk in and people and, and Kim particularly would be like, Tom. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. And so we were going down this road and it really, we were into it. So we pureed Everything, <laughs> everything. And it turns out Tom's favorite food to puree was cauliflower. Mm. 
pureed cauliflower. Yeah. Which everyone says to me, oh, it has no taste. It has no smell. Lies. It does have a smell. It straight up has a smell. And I know that. Why? Because we made pureed cauliflower every night for a year. Yep. Every single night, our child wanted cauliflower. Yeah. Now, this became sort of a weird badge of honor. Yeah. For us. Uh, One time we gathered with a bunch of friends in Central Park. Um, It was a little group that we had for friends of ours that had moved from Chicago to New York. And we came with our kid and, you know, everyone's playing, hanging out. And all of a sudden, Tom, who's two, is like, Mommy, can I have cauliflower for dinner? Mm. And I have to be honest, there was a weird pride. Like, sure, (laughs) sure. Absolutely. I mean, yes, you want vegetables. Okay. And everyone just sort of stopped and stared in awe of the at the toddler who's asking for cauliflower. It was amazing. Yeah. It was incredible. It was a proud moment. It really was. And, you know, so we were into this. Uh, Tom's favorite vegetable was cauliflower, but his favorite fruit was bananas mm. to the point that he would beg me for to have two bananas at home. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, then we would go to Christy's store and then she would give him another banana, which was unfortunate. <laughs> uh, so, you know, some pooping issues kicked in after, but it was all good. Now, as this year wore on, we realized that we needed to expand into food food. But because we had made his baby food real food, this transition was supposed to be a breeze. A complete breeze because he knows the actual taste of the food, blah, blah, blah. Turns out, no, it wasn't the easiest transition into real food. The one thing that he would not eat was bread. Any kind of bread. Bread. But really, that translated that our child would not eat pizza. Now, this was, I mean... The kid's a native New Yorker. Come on. Like, if there's one thing you need to know how to eat, it's a slice of za, you know, fold it in half, whatever, get a drink to go with it. And I'm visioning in my head that I have somehow broken my baby. You know, he will not eat this stuff. This is crazy. And this went on for a really long time. He would not eat bread at all. And you get really upset about it. Yes. You're like, no, you have to try this, which generally we do that. And generally the kids are pretty good about that. But bread, no. So then he was invited to a birthday party. You know, he was little, didn't really go to school. So he didn't have a lot of birthday parties. But friends of ours had a daughter who was a year older and they were friendly. So he got invited to a birthday party mm-hmm. at Pizzeria Uno. Mm-hmm. Delightful. Yeah. Deep dish pizza. We used to live in Chicago. We love deep dish pizza. And we think, absolutely, this would be great. There's no way Tom's going to eat the food. So we come armed in our diaper bag with all the like the food that we're going to sneak him so that no one gets upset that he's not eating and we're secretly feeding him on the side. And it's a really cute birthday party. They make their own pizza. They give him the little pizza dough. He puts the sauce on himself. He puts the cheese on himself. Yeah. And he's totally cool with it. Right? It's he's an sitting, art project. It yeah. is, right? Yeah. So it goes off to get cooked. He plays, he sings the songs, he does all the things. They bring the pizzas back. And he sits down with all the other little kids who are in pre-K together. And we're like, all right, well, look at the cute pizza. This is where the fun ends. Right. Lo and behold, he picks up the pizza and starts eating it. Mm -hmm. 
and he enjoys it. Oh, he enjoys it. He's got little sauce on his cheeks and he's looking at us like, mm, this is nice. And the shock, people did not realize that the earth was like shaking underneath our feet. Like, oh my gosh, he's eating pizza. Yeah. He's eating pizza, everybody. They didn't realize this was a momentous hap moment happening at this birthday party. He continued and we realized he made it himself. Yeah. He felt this pride in this little pizza pan that he made and he ate it. We took pictures, obviously, uh, for proof. And then we knew that this was kind of a fleeting moment to let it go. Yeah. The next day, I was eating lunch, and I had an egg and cheese sandwich. And he said, oh, Mom, can I have a bite? It's a sandwich. It's egg and cheese between two pieces of bread. Mm -hmm. He took a bite, and he loved it. Loved it. And then... It was broken. The bread curse was gone. Yeah. Right? All my worrying that I had done of like, what am I going to send to in his lunchbox? Yeah. How do I have a kid who doesn't like bread or pizza? How is this going to work? We had dodged a bullet. Yeah. Everything was going to be fine. Unfortunately, what we didn't realize was as one food group opened, the other shrank. Right. Um, all the great fruits and vegetables. Cauliflower. Oh, even cauliflower. Yeah. Cauliflower got kicked to the curb, which I have to be honest, at that point, I wasn't that heartbroken about it. Yeah. But all the other stuff started to shrink away and shrink away to the point that now, as a nine-year-old, if given permission, would eat th straight up three slices of pizza. Yeah. Want Sicilian pizza, grandma pizza, all pizza all the time, pizza yeah. bagels. And I, we have to beg him to eat anything other than apples, yeah, bananas, and broccoli. He'll and, eat broccoli. Yeah, and bread. Oh, bread. Oh, bread. Yeah. Now, the funny thing is, I mean, he still eats reasonably healthy, but... It is a concern, the amount of bread that he eats. And we tried to rectify this with our other child. Yeah. Um, we signed him up for little, like, cooking classes, thinking, well, if he needs to take ownership of the food, you know, maybe he, if he learns to cook. And I will tell you, Colin nailed that little class. Yeah. He had his little doggy knife. He, like, wrapped his fingers, knew how to, like, cut food. He ate kumquats. He made pickles. He made deviled eggs. Everything. And the only rule in the class was you had to try everything. Mm -hmm. And so he did. And to this day, now six and a half, the kid still tries everything. Yeah. And I realized, like, in a weird way, that's what we needed to do. We needed to give our older son ownership that this is your food, you've made it. Mm -hmm. um, so why we haven't registered him for a cooking class so that maybe <laughs> this would open back up is beyond me. But... The weird thing is the only thing that never made it in is sweets. Yeah. To still this, doesn't like sweets. He'll eat a lollipop, but that's it. Yeah. So we still get that weird pride when we go to birthday parties and he sings happy birthday with gusto. Are you one? Are you two? Are you three? He does the whole thing with gusto. And then they go to offer him cake and he says very politely, 
no, thank you. And I have to say, oh, I'm so sorry. He doesn't eat sweets. Yeah. And yet again, the parents are like, wow. Wow. And I was like, yeah, you don't know that I had to stop him from taking that third piece of pizza. Yeah. The, the struggles around food, I think, are one of the things that I'm going to remember most, whether it was struggling to make it, uh, because we did. We somehow got through two kids, kids uh, without without ever getting uh, – without ever uh, – Buying a jar of food. Buying a jar of, of baby food. Um, but sometimes that was a struggle mm -hmm. or the struggle to get them to try something that – they didn't want to try because for some reason, heck, we went fishing over the weekend and Tom caught two fish, trout, two trout, and we got them up, got them home and I filleted the trout and, and everyone had some except for the guy who caught him. Yeah. So it's a pendulum. Anyway. Yep. It's going to swing. Um, exactly. And we hope for you, this pendulum is swinging well. Yes. And that your kids are eating all the good stuff. And that you are drinking all the good stuff <laughs> to get through this trying time. Exactly. And uh, thank you for listening. Come to facebook.com slash funny parents. Say hello. Show us how remote learning is going. Mm -hmm. And we'll see you in a couple weeks. Have a good night. Bye.